Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson and Michael Grumbine. Michael, did you know that our popularity is preceding us because people are now just starting to copy us in their news articles? Yep, <laughs> that's yep. I'm growing a beard, in, uh, and oh, by the time it's it's fully grown, I expect everyone to be copying right, us. Let me see. You're looking. No, I'm just good. I'm just unshaven. And, <laughs> oh, okay, that well, is growing a beard then. Still, yeah. We have uh, today found out that, um, and this is what like five days, six five days after we record. Um, that this is published. Sorry, sorry about that. I need that time to edit it. Uh, that Screen Rant, the um, creme de la creme of all website magazines. No, actually, it's it's about the most clickbaity, crappy place that publishes stuff on the internet. Which, which, by the way, we did. In fact, I believe it was Screen Rant that we responded to. We spent one whole episode when uh, Dan was on the podcast um, to, going over their eight reasons why Tolkien has hasn't held up over the Lord of the Rings hasn't yeah, held right. up over the over the years. So, <laughs> so we love them. They love us, and apparently, they love us quite they a love lot. Helping us, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna take a look at that. Um, we're gonna, they they have eight reasons, and four of them are pretty much direct copies from our, our last week and a half, two weeks of uh, changes to the films that we talked about. They just decided they're going to apply those to the Rings of Power. We're going to go over that. Uh, and then we're going to take a look at the four other ones in our extended podcast. And then we're only going to do one change today. It's uh, We're recording this the night before Thanksgiving, so we have places to go, people to see. Um, in fact, I'm flying out to L.A. tomorrow, California, San Diego. And we Forced are going to just... Feed. Yes, and we are going to just do one change this week. Um, and we will probably get back into doing two more next week. Uh, and then we will take a break at Christmas. But before we jump into that wonderful article at Screen Rant, I want to remind everybody that, one, we love you if you're a supporter of TheWonder.com. At TheWonder.com slash members, you can become a member and get access to our Discord. You can ask the questions that are oh so important to you. Uh, we just had a nice weekly chat, or monthly chat, too, on Saturday. We spent what, an hour and 45 minutes just talking together, taking uh, talking about what we thought about the different changes, what new media is out there. We got ideas for people to, to bring on to interview too. So I have a, a nice growing list of that. Very Hopefully nice. We get a few more people on early next year. And uh, yeah, become a member at thelearning.com slash members. You can download this app or, or this app, this episode, the extended one, right into your podcast app. And you can get it on YouTube too. We post it into Discord every yep. week. We send out a newsletter about it every week. So do that. All right. So guys, help let's us help you. Help us help you. Uh <laughs> Um, all right, so here is what I posted to Twitter earlier today. So I said somebody on Screen Rep has not been giving us giving has been listening to our podcast and not giving us credit. Not surprisingly, they're taking our points that we made thoughtfully with deep discussion and dumbing them down to apply them to the rings of power. So here in this image that you see, there are the four real obvious ones where we talk about in the most four in the ten, the, the changes here the what is that 10, 14, 15. And then the full episode of the of, uh, 17, 18, and 19, where we talk about one, Sauron is not a big eye, and their change was the Rings of Power makes Sauron more interesting character. Two, Gimli, the comic relief. And then their point is dwarves aren't just comic relief in Rings of Power. So when we say 
dwarves are in comic relief in the books. They simply say dwarves are in comic relief in the Rings of Power. When we say Sauron isn't just a big eye in the books, they say Sauron is a more interesting character in, in the Rings of Power. When we say Peter Jackson changed Elrond from the books, they say Peter Jackson changed Elrond from the Rings of Power. Or obviously, And then lastly, Peter Jackson changed he ruined Isildur, and our point is that Isildur didn't kill Sauron, and he made him into a lesser character. So, anyway, these are the four points they made in their article, which uh, I can bring up right here, too. Um, and honestly, I take a look at this now, and I feel like this is, like, 90% AI generated. So, they give it a few points they right. generated, and yeah, then they fix a few adjectives. I think you're right. I think we may actually just be up against AI, in which case this is an addition where we criticize AI. So it's us versus AI. That's our that's that that's that's our podcast for the next ten minutes. Uh, but uh, if you want to tune in a little more and you are a, a member, you can join us for the uh, second four. So they they actually have eight ways. They're trying to the AI slash. Um, geniuses at Screen Rant are trying to uh, convince us there are eight ways in which the Rings of Power does a better job than Peter Jackson. Angel Shaw. Sure. Why not? Might be a real person. Who knows? Um, <laughs> and uh, so they're, they are, um, they're, they have eight reasons and we'll cover the four, which look like they were suspiciously copied from our recent episodes and uh, then with the other four, we will handle and deal with in our usual fashion, our usual <laughs> in the uh, members section. The yeah. yeah, and I'll put the link for this below if you want to read the entire article, too. But um, I love how they say here that, you know, he wasn't just a big flaming eye and that Halbrand may be an invention of the series, but he better reflects who Sauron is. This is <laughs> exactly. Right. He was in love with Galadriel. Tolkien... Clearly, that was his intention <laughs> with Sal Brand. Yeah, and he just wanted to be a smith on his own out in the wilds of Numenor. <laughs> right. Hammering away. If they had only let him, oh, instead of dragging him to Middle-earth and forcing him to become the Dark Lord or something. Oh, my gosh. It's so. like they didn't... I mean, I don't think these people actually read the books. They just like looked up Tolkien Gateway and were like, mm, I like these couple sentences, and the Rings of Power is the same thing. Right, um, right. Like you said, probably AI, but basically, the, yeah, the, that that factor, that that point, that so, uh, yeah, I mean, it is true. Sauron was different in Rings of Power. I'm sorry, in the um, in Lord in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, but we talked about how basically Peter Jackson had a, a problem, which was he was up against a Sauron who, in the actual three books or six books, as you as you count them, of of yeah. Lord of the Rings, never appears in physical form, um, except in the appendices. So. So he had a problem, and of course he solved that problem with a giant, giant flaming eye at one point, which we uh, take issue with. But uh, be that as it may. But all uh, right, Halbrand is uh, no, okay. I will still take the giant flaming eye over freaking Halbrand in the Rings of Power, just to make that clear. <laughs> I, I, I will too. <laughs> I mean, uh, as as if that's any better. All right. So the next point is is that um, here they wrote Elrond was aggressive and distrustful as a result of her of adding more conflict to the relationship with Aragorn, right? He was lying and manipulating Ar Arwen to keep her out of harm's way. And the Rings of Power version is more faithful to Tolkien's work. Wise, kind, and enduringly good. That enduringly good, that feels like such an AI phrase that they had to say, like, make him sound yep. really even gooder than before. <laughs> but the, he's not wise or kind. Maybe he's kind because he's a beta male, but he's wise? Wise in what 
way like that he went to see his friend in in like his friend that he hadn't seen through since his wedding and missed all his kids births i'm, I'm talking about of course of durin i just yeah. i don't know under the why like, they make these comments and don't give any any like backing fact for it they just sort of make statements right no evidence it's just a claim the claim is stupid elrond is not wise in the rings of power he's not really kind he's just sort of nice yeah. and enduringly good uh, what <laughs> temptation to be evil does he have that shows that he's enduringly good there's nothing in he's fact he, in fact he kind of manipulate you know he's he's kind of um uh tries to convince galadriel to go off into the west apparently which i mean i don't know like that's i guess in one way because galadriel's so awful that might be enduringly good so you can you can make that a i don't know because we make the point right we make, we make the point that elrond simply distrust like doesn't like doesn't believe in men anymore i wouldn't right. say he's distrustful of aragorn i don't i don't think he like he doesn't think that aragorn is is false i think he just doesn't believe that in the films he has to they have to give him a character art and to make him change from the unbeliever to the believer not the distrustful to the trustful just the un, doesn't believe that men have it in them that's different than distrust. So yeah, uh, I don't I mean, know about it. I mean, I mean, look, they 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 said made the same general point that we did, which is Elrond's character was changed, and he was trying to maneuver yeah. against uh, Aragorn right. at first. Um, so that's, I mean, that's correct. So good job, Chat GPT four, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they, they got that one right. He's different. All right, dwarves aren't just comic relief in the Rings of Power. All right, let me this was the together. worst. It like feels like a direct. Like, cut from some of our lines that we I know. were talking about the comic relief was the exact title that we put into it and i'm sure and, they put into Je- chat gpt like explain to me why gimli isn't just the comic relief in the rings of, or in, in right in, in right. the books anymore to make this point that somehow they're less comic relief in the rings of power either when he they have this little you know when he's the uh kissy face little dwarf when they have the spat when they uh mm-hmm. when when the kids have the big giant um, helmets yeah. helmets on right in fact, it, a lot of the laughter does come from like sort of laughing at the family, yeah, and right. and and Disa herself turns out to be. I mean, just in a way, I know it isn't comic relief in one sense, but just sort of comically two dimensional. Like she, she's you know, <laughs> she goes at one on one hand from like saying, ah, you know, how much in love she is with her husband, to then the next minute, like actually trying to get him to to commit treason and take over the kingdom in the next, uh, it's just, it's so, yeah. it's so plastic. They, they do in fact seem comical. Durin's temper tantrums are comical yeah. during the yeah. fourth. And, yeah. and I just, uh, well, I, Durin does succeed in doing one thing and that's uh, getting the meat and, and getting it raw. Give me the meat and give it to me raw. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like he, he has the comic lines, like that's a comic line. It's, 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 an, in, I mean, it's an ob- obvious double entendre, um, which, you know, so, so just... bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First of all, the comic relief in uh, the Lord of the Rings, sure it was there. And, but I wouldn't say it was inexpertly done. They, they put it in places where I think it didn't, it wasn't like a Marvel movie where there's a ton of tension, a ton of tension. Then all of a sudden they throw in a comic line. Uh, they do a better job of that. I don't know the Rings of Power. I don't want to rewatch it to figure out my opinion about their timing. But well, I think I think we've gone we've gone through it enough. They had a couple good lines, but actually most of the comedy they used it for wasn't actually as funny as it was with Gimli. So yeah, I, I think in fact this point is just unlike the Elrond point um, is just totally wrong in the sense yeah. that like Rings of Power just doesn't it. It actually uses dwarves as comic relief. Um, yeah, 
it, I mean, like the whole the table scenario where the dwarf is, the, you know, where I mean, like every time there's a straight out joke to be told or straight up humor, probably 80 percent of the time it's a dwarf doing it. So yeah. we're a dwarf involved. And so, okay. yeah, I'm not I'm not um, I just think they're wrong about this one. We will cover the number five in our extended edition so we can move on from that one. Orcs look fantastic in the Rings of Power. All Do right, they, we'll though? Do they? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings ruined Isildur. Mm-hmm. Ruined. I don't think we we ever used the word ruined, did we? No, no, we didn't. Um, what we did say was that um, Peter Jackson's Isildur wasn't um, the same character as he was in the books, mm-hmm. and he the actions he took were different. It was a different. Um, it, he, there was just a different. That whole. I mean, one thing is true that Peter Jackson stayed true to the fact that Isildur did, failed the test of the ring and and kept kept it for his own and. Um, and so that part, you know, accurate with the lore, yeah. but, uh, but, but a lot of other actions, including him killing Sauron himself is not lore friendly as we went over. And so they did change him in that regard. I would argue rings of power changes Isildur way more. Um, not like Isildur is not, I do not even see the, like, I mean, look at these two pictures just for one. I mean, first of all, it brings up the, it shows you the laughable comparison between, just the costuming from a mm-hmm. movie made mm-hmm. in 2000 versus a, versus a, a bit, you know a trillion dollar company uh, making it today so apparently you know Tolkien was right that all civilization trends downward and we're just collapsing <laughs> because they, 20 years later they can't even make armor that looks real um, and, and I find that hilarious that they use this picture of Isildur like to make their point. That he's supposed to this is this is supposed to be supposedly makes him more like tolkien's books maybe it, it, i mean i think that's their point right i i i i guess they the idea here they, they bring up the one idea that we really talked about is that like does i think it was in our extended podcast where elrond leads uh isildur to mount doom right to the samoth noir where nar and aur i'm not mm-hmm. sure you pronounce it uh where yeah. where uh where, where he could cast the ring back in the fires of mount doom and they say they write here specifically, hey, the idea that he would have done that and given it up is entirely unique to Jackson's film. Like, that's exactly the point we make. Clearly, we're not the only ones making the point, but it seems kind of odd that they do this right after we did it a week later. Yeah. It's not not odd at all. I don't no. believe in this kind of coincidence. No. Especially with AI. Um all right. So next one. <laughs> These are now the ones we'll talk about later. The Rings of Power gives elf characters more variety. And no, you would think they mean. <clears throat> the woke variety that they talk about next, which is the Lord of the Rings casting lacked great diversity or greatly lacked diversity. That's a different one. So let's, we'll find out what they mean exactly about the variety of the elves in this quote. Uh, well, I mean, I actually, actually I think uh, spoiler alert for our extended edition, but I'm going to argue that number two is absolutely true. Like they're actually hundred percent correct on this one. Uh, all right. Middle all earth right. is more I'm, diverse. I'm interested in rings of power. Yes, it's it's just not diverse in a good way. And it covers more Middle Earth stories at once. It's kind so, of like watching four or like watching six football games at the same time <laughs> when you're really, you know, you really get to know all those football games at the same time. That's right. what it feels like when you're watching the Rings of Power. It's six one of different them, things going on. One of, and one of them is and, peewee football. And and none of them are related to the other, in fact. <laughs> They're all completely separate. They don't really have anything to do with the rest of the story. The Harfoots never have anything to do with anybody else. The Numenorians barely have anything to do with anybody right. else. It's... Here's a screen where we show you a bunch of peewee psychopaths for, <laughs> for, for no reason nobody ever asked for. All right. 
All right, guys, thanks for indulging us in this. We're going to go over that even more in our extended podcast when those four changes, those four, those four differences that are simply stupid and ridiculous. And we, um, should, and we should feel, mm, I don't know, are we supposed to feel feel like respected because we're, they're yanking from our content? <laughs> no, I, I do have one thing to bring up, and that oh. is Haley in our YouTube comments. Um, oh, no. made this point about, we talked about power versus immortality. One of the first things that uh, Galadriel says, this was in last week's episode, yeah. Galadriel says is that men want power and she never mentions immortality. And so she said, uh, she said, I appreciate the time and effort you guys put into research the quotes ahead of time in these episodes. So no problem, Haley, and we're glad to do it. I can definitely <laughs> see both sides of the power versus immortality discussion, but there's a quote from letter 203 that really tips me towards jonathan's perspective and and i will give it and also john from the tolkien road tolkienroad.com go listen to his podcast it's really good and because i I, jonathan you sprung this on me but i came prepared with the book that was sent. oh nice so i I have letter 203 right in front of me as you said it (laughs) all right so here's the begins there is no symbolism or conscious allegory in my story. But is go it... to the second <laughs> paragraph and the um, last second of the last sentence. But I should say, if asked, the tale, the tale he means here is the Lord of the Rings, because the Silmarillion had not come out yet. The tale is not really about power and dominion. That only sets the wheels going. It is about death and the desire for deathlessness, which is hardly more than to say it is a tale written by a man. So even he said that the important uh, thing about good. power and immortality. I don't know. Thank you, Haley, because I didn't have that quote. But man, you are a... That's she, a Haley one. has submitted a ton of um, changes too. So I really appreciate her involvement in uh, getting us on the right foot. But yeah, that's great. That's a great quote. I'm going to make a point of trying to remember that, even though my memory is and shot you, when it comes to like... And you think it's a great things. quote because it was agreeing with you, of course. Well, no, because I know what Tolkien meant. <laughs> <laughs> some people who read it just just michael they just don't uh-huh i just missed the point entirely that's right um yeah so that's oh, i mean i think in our conversation i might i might have said in fact I, and by might have said i know i said that the tale of deathlessness and the desire for immortality is actually part of the numenorian story so one kind of man is dominated by that and it is the kind of man that we are most concerned with because uh is- of, of, for example, all of the fellowship, there, there are only two men in the fellowship, and both of them are at least partial descendants of Numenor, uh, both Boromir and Aragorn. So, so that, that's, those are the men we have to deal with. And so it is true to say that that's, that that's the case. Um, but I, I thought a point could be made for power as well. So, yeah. I don't think either are completely wrong. I think um, that I mean, Tolkien, power in that in that letter he mentions power and dominion. As yeah, one of, yeah, one yeah. Of the exactly. Things. I think, I, and I think they do go hand in hand. And I think what we what what John said last week, John from Tolkien Road, TolkienRoad.com, uh, said last week that they, they could have just said, um, you know, who most of all desire power and long life. That would have been a great, a great little three syllable addition to inject what Tolkien said about the uh, the lord of the rings right here in right. letter 203 written in 1957 to herbert shiro which is i don't know some guy this was like in a yeah. anyway all right guys we are going to get into our very first and only change this week that we're going to be talking about and this is bilbo's prologue there and back again a hobbit's tale 
concerning hobbits. Hobbits must seem of little importance, nor counted among the very wise. Hobbits' only real passion is for food, as we have also developed a keen interest in the smoking of pipeweed. But where our hearts truly lie is in peace and quiet and good till earth. For all hobbits share a love of things that grow. It is no bad thing to celebrate a simple life. All right. If that was a little weird, it's because I know YouTube keeps dinging me every time I put in uh, video clips from The Lord of the Rings, even if they're less than eight seconds. So I'm not sure what to do. So if that sounded even weirder to you, it's because I had to edit it after the fact. Okay. Bilbo's prologue. Bilbo's prologue is in the extended edition to The Lord of the Rings. In the theatrical edition, the movie starts with Frodo reading with his back up against a tree and, and uh, Gandalf coming down the... Uh, rutted road with his wagon in the extended edition it starts with bilbo right at his desk in the red book and giving us the prologue to the lord of the rings now what is this prologue from actually it's kind of like what they did is they tried to make the prologue in the film the prologue that tolkien wrote in the lord of the rings where he talks about concerning hobbits right that's one section of the prologue uh concerning pipeweed uh, I can't remember the, re- the other one concerning pipe reading, smoking of tobacco. Uh, there's one concerning or, uh, about uh, Bilbo's Bilbo's adventure with the ring. I can't remember all the little parts of it, but they, it divides that up. And it right. talks about that, everything except the ring part. And so I want to I read a couple of lines from the prologue and then kind of counterpoint them to, uh, and as a counterpoint, have what they wrote in the prologue to the film. To the extended edition that you can get. Watch that instead of the, the, the theatrical one. It's still better. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So this is from Concerning Hobbits, where uh, they got Bilbo's prologue. The Shire was divided into four quarters. The farthings already referred to, north, south, east, and west. And these, again, each into a number of folklands, which still bore the, the names of some of the old leading families. Although by the time of the hist- this history, these <laughs> names were no longer found only in their proper folklands. And then in... The bill was prologue. They wrote, Hobbits have been living and farming in the four farthings of the Shire for many hundreds of years. So that almost com- compresses it all down. Quite content to ignore and be ignored by the world of the big folk. So here, the, you know, Tolkien writes, they're the four farthings. Um, they still bore the names of some of the old leading families. Although by the time of this history, these names were no longer found in their proper folklands. So right there, you get the, the, they shortened it down to say four farthings for many hundreds of years without the details of Tolkien Adam there. So I, I kind of thought that was a good way of, of, of condensing what Tolkien wrote. Here's another clip about pipeweed. There is another astonishing thing about hobbits of old that must be mentioned, an astonishing habit. They imbibed or inhaled through pipes of clay or wood, the smoke of the burning leaves of a herb, which they called pipeweed or leaf, a variety probably of nicotiana. Nicoshana, Nicoshin, Nicotian. Anyway, a great deal of mystery surrounds the origin of this particular custom or art, as the hobbits prefer to call it. And in the prologue in the films, they wrote, as we have also developed a keen interest in the brewing of ales and the smoking of pipeweed. That was a little short, but Tolkien really liked his pipe. So I think he kind of gave him a little bit more due than we might have seen in the films. So um, that, I mean, the question I think that we have to address is, did they do a good job taking Tolkien's prologue to give us an idea of who hobbits were and making it Bilbo's prologue in the films? 
that's the question kind of general and we'll get down to the specifics of is it more is it more friendly and do we like it and all that sort of stuff uh do you have any thoughts on that michael yeah so the the section of and in the beginning in the prologue of lord of the rings has five it has five sections it has concerning hobbits has concerning pipeweed it has the ordering of the shire Order and the shire. finding of the ring and uh notes on shire records um and so what we have in the movie is clearly an uh, an attempt to highly truncate a couple of those which is concerning hobbits and concerning pipeweed into a few sentences they ignore the ordering of the shire entirely um they ignore the finding of the ring which talks of is intended in the books to give us a synopsis of bilbo's trip in the hobbit so so they don't try to sum up that um in in the uh, movie um version and um they ignore uh on the shire records so they only they only actually touch in, on two of the five sections in the prologue and so um mm -hmm. what i would say is i mean they're just the extended edition is just trying to put in something which gives homage in my opinion to the prologue in the book and briefly introduces us in the same manner that tolkien was trying to introduce us in a literary way briefly introduces us cinematically to the idea of hobbits and what makes them different um interestingly enough uh you know a lot of people and this is just a side note you know hobbits are clearly from in the on the metaphysical plane they're clearly a sub race of men they are actually not they're not a dwarf and they're not an elf and they're mm -hmm. and and they're not even their own new thing in that sense um in Tolkien, tolkien's legendarium i mean they are a new thing in the sense that they're a sub race of men but they are there is a kind of mystery to them um in, in the sense that when in the silmarillion you have basically nothing about them and and so and and in the many of the most of his other books and so they they were kind of this shoehorn in in a way they were a literary shoehorn because he had written a book called the hobbit and right. so he had, to, he had to shoehorn them in um so so uh, I I was glad. I remember seeing this for the first time, the extended edition for the first time, and I thought, oh, that's cool. They put in a few lines about, uh, you know, giving an homage to Tolkien's effort. Um, do I th think they did it justice? No, but in a way, I don't know that they could have. You know, how long is how long do you yeah. want this to be? Um, so anyway, we'll we'll get into that when we, it's, when we talk yeah, about it. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the the appendix for the Hobbits comes before right. the books. Yeah, let's get into our changes then, the, what we think about this here. So the first question, as is usual, is, is it lore-friendly? Uh, okay, I'm going to make a point here that they talk about, uh, let's see, it has been remarked by some hobbits that, uh, that, by some that hobbits' only real passion is for food, as we have also developed a keen interest in the brewing of ales. But have they? I guess maybe they like food and pipeweed so okay true and then he writes but where our hearts truly lie is in peace and quiet and good tilled earth which yeah sure i mean in fact uh as michael pointed out to me earlier good tilled earth is a quote directly from the third paragraph of concerning hobbits where uh do you have a quote in front of you it says hobbits are an unobtrusive but a very ancient people more numerous uh more numerous firm formally than they are today for they love peace and quiet and good tilled earth a well-ordered and well-farmed countryside was their favorite haunt. Hmm. Well-ordered. Does that mean they just like had straight, straight plow lines? <laughs> yeah, I mean, order. <laughs> I guess order when it comes to land, because that's what it's talking about. It has to do with boundaries, yeah. boundaries, yeah. and 
stewardship of the earth, I guess, in, in an ancient sense. Right. Which, so, which, which, which does tie with what Tolkien thought, right? He hated the machinery. He hated the right. encroachment of cities onto the countryside. Right. All right. And okay. It, so. Yeah. Uh, and it says, it also points out um, that they, um, it says, uh, their faces were as a rule, good natured rather than beautiful, brawn, bright cheeked, red, bright, bright eyed, sorry, red cheeked with mouths apt to laughter and to eating and drinking. And laugh they did, and eat, and drink, often and heartily being fond of simple jests at all times and of six meals a day when they could get them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they, they love food, but maybe their real passion, they have a lot of real passions. Food is just one of them. Right, yeah, that whole thing. I, I felt I always felt like the, the line that they, uh, they give in the movie um, where they, they said that their real love was for food. That's, that's a stretch. That's not yeah. anything. I mean, when you, when you read the prologue from Tolkien, you get a sense of a lots of their loves and of which, yeah. like you said, Jonathan, one of them was eating, but that's, that just yeah. seemed like and, more and of then, a, a setup for some of the jokes in the movie, which is probably one of my least favorite jokes, which is the whole Olympus way bread. And then Legolas says to them, you know, one bite will sustain you for an entire day. And uh, Pippin says to Mary, or is it Mary to Pippin? I can't remember. He's like, how many did you eat? He's like, two or something, something like that. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. You just and minimized way bread. Yeah. So that was, I just didn't like there, there okay. was one, the one food joke about what about second breakfast? That was funny. That was, I laughed at, that was, I, I was, I yeah. laughed at that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Is it lore friendly? Hmm. Uh, yes, I believe it is lore friendly. I don't think he does anything that's really anti- Tolkien lore in the prologue, right? We the purists like us wish it were longer, but it, it was indeed <laughs> lore. What, what lore friendly? Yeah, yeah, no, no issues there. All right, next question: Does the change make for better cinema? Well, in this case, it's an interesting one, right? Because it's the extended edition only. So, in this case, I'm looking at: Does it make for better cinema? Clearly, they they cut it from the first piece of cinema, which was on the screen. And then they added it the second one, so they thought it made it somewhat that's a, better. So, that's somehow. a good point. And the answer, and, and so my answer to that actually is yes, it does because it actually adds in something that was missing from the first from the first round in the in the theaters, um, which is pretty cool. Which is teaching us a little bit about hobbits um, beforehand. Yeah. the The question then also is is does it make for better cinema to have it be longer or to not have it at all? And I feel like they they made a good decision f- for not making it longer and talking about a lot of the other details that Tolkien put into his prologue that hmm. is kind of unnecessary. You don't you still want to discover the characters through what they do, not by being told who they are. It right. Just it it it's boring when somebody says you should they, they love each other. Like no no no, you show us how they love each other in the same way. You show us how they like to farm. You show yeah, you us that oh, they, do, just, they do. Some don't just that. tell us. Yeah. Yep. You know what's funny is I've always thought, and this is a, just random side note, but I've always thought that this, um, that the prologue, as I've reread read it and reread it, um, and I actually don't read the prologue every time to my kids. Mm-hmm. I think I read I read it every every other third time, mm-hmm. um, but. Because when they're very young, if I'm reading to a particularly young batch of kids, they have no, they have very little patience for the prologue. Totally. Um, yeah. But, but I've always thought that the prologue was was kind of sort of Tolkien's notes where he was getting those creative juices going. You know how Tolkien used to discover his stories, not not plan them out. So the more he talks about hobbits from his notes, and the more he develops them, 
the more he can, I think, get a feel and discover more of their story. Um, and so I always felt like that was sort of Tolkien revving his engine, sort of, so to speak, on the uh, on the Hobbit side of the story. But yeah, could, yeah, could I'd be wrong. I'd be curious to see how much of that he wrote, like right before it was published, too, or how much he because I know he's spending a lot of time on those notes in the appendices uh, before the return. I guess it was maybe just before the return of the king came. Out. I can't remember the details of that that timeline, but yeah, he was spending a lot of time on those notes and appendices because one, he wanted to make them also match up with what he had in the Silmarillion. And so he slaved over those to make sure that that was right. it. And that was, and it was also changing the Silmarillion at the time or his histories of Miller. But concerning Hobbits has got nothing to do with the Silmarillion. So, so that's true. just, to me, that just feels like another thing. Like true. he had this, he had the Silmarillion, yeah. which he slaved over the appendices yeah. to make, make them fit. And then he had the Hobbit and he slaved over the prologue to make the Hobbit fit with, right. with, with. Yeah. The, and, uh, and he knew uh, great minds like the writer's room at Amazon would come in and fill in those spaces <laughs> of where Hobbits were in the second age that he didn't have time to do. You know what I missed? I missed in the prologue was the part where they were psychopaths and they would leave their own kind to die on the road. <laughs> That's right. He, 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 he didn't mention that, which, you know, you know, as Tolkien just had a missed opportunity. Clearly, that's the kind of people that these that these uh, these folks are is is the kind that leave their own kind because they get that a wheel be... stuck in a rut or something. Oh, man. Changing the holy text, Joseph Smith. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, oh man! All right, oh, how boy. much? How much do you like the change? You know, I'm going to say with this one, this might be one of the best changes because I think he captures the hobbits really well without beating us over the head about who they are right. and exactly what they do. But it's a, a few short phrases. Now, uh, the prologue, which we'll get into. Um, in the next episode or two, the prologue in the theatrical edition, the original edition, starts with Frodo and meeting uh, Gandalf. And they they put a little bit of that in when they have a little interplay between the two of them. Yep. Um, but I think in here, it really gives us a good sense of the Hobbits. And I think it was completely worthwhile. How much do I like the change, man? I think I, I think it might be his best. Change. I'm going to give it a solid 4.9. I think it was a great change. Because yeah, to put would... the whole prologue in would have not been... So this is the kind of thing where, because I have no complaints about this at all, this one at all. I mean, maybe the whole, their one great love is food. That's a little bit of a stretch, but it's just so good. This whole yeah. thing is so good. It is literally this change because of the change from the theatrical to the extended edition. This change is literally in my mind, bringing more Tolkien into the movie. Like, mm. it, yeah, and, that's a good way of putting it. And, and so because they're bringing more Tolkien to the movie, I asked myself when I was thinking about this change, like, if this isn't a five, what is a five? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so I'm going to give it a five. So, wow. Okay. I was close. Yeah. I was close. I think um, is pretty, pretty much the same. Yeah. I'm just leaving myself just in case there's something that we go across that I do like sure. better. No worries. And if not, I can, I can live with myself whenever with never giving this movie a five. <laughs> there is, okay there are no perfect that. scores in Jonathan's <laughs> mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> no one no, can get an eight plus. <laughs> <clears throat> um, all right. Good. Wow. Hey, that was great. Like, look, guys, we love the films. See? Mm, In fact, totally. I will say by the time that this, well, if this would have been the prologue that I saw in the theaters, I would have probably started off on a better foot. Um, then, then honestly, I will say Frodo's awkward smile when he hears Gandalf. Had never yeah, I, I thought that a lot about the extended editions. I, I wish I was so, I wish so much the extended editions would have been in the theater. I mean, you could have even, I, I know this is not work from a corporate and revenue perspective, but as a fan, I would have loved it as like, Here's the version if you want to go see just a long movie, <laughs> and here's the version if you're yeah. an actual fan. 
Yeah. And, they, and they limited release in a few theaters, yeah. and I would have been happy with that. Yeah, but back then, remember, it was actually still film that they had to send out everywhere. They didn't have digital projectors oh, to, right. to just like send the vids, send the files around. That's it true. was all that's, film, uh, and true. so they couldn't really do that easily. It would it would take a lot more work, and that's why I think now you do see some you know a lot of more special editions coming out in the films or even longer films because it's easier to to uh, spread those around. Uh, all right, guys, are you? Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into our extended episode uh, on this briefer uh, show today. We're going to talk about those four changes and uh, jump right into it. If you have any questions, please become a member. Go to thewarming.com slash member. You can ask them in Discord every week before we record. We do remind you guys to submit any questions that you have. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, you like us enough to do that because we love you guys. Right? Except do. for Michael. We love all of you, but we love the members more. So goodbye, freeloaders.